Sullivan testing the Portuguese. You know, I like to be fit and healthy, so the best way I know is to just get out there and run. Running was an outlet for me to, I guess, feel good about myself and, and take out some of the angers that were going on in my life. Sonny O'Sullivan is going to take the world title back to Ireland. Fail to prepare, prepare to fail. Those were the words of another Cork sporting icon. But if you don't really know what you're preparing for, what do you do to prepare? <laughs> Preparation you might be doing for your first race or uh, event you've never done before can leave you flying blind. Today, we get the expert advice of Sonia Sullivan on where most people tend to go wrong, the rules she lives by, and what she and other elite athletes do that can work for people like me, the absolute newbies. We are also going to look at what cross-training really means. And I feel like I got it all wrong over the weekend. To be honest with you, Sonia, I went back for my first game of full court five-on-five basketball since 2014. And I was able to keep up. That That was a big change. I was definitely able to keep up. But I was in absolute ribbons the next day, which surely isn't the point of cross training. We will catch up on how our members and listeners got on with the Ireland Funds 5K over the weekend and tell you about a brilliant new episode we have coming up in conjunction with profeet.co.uk. I saw you were doing your own version of cross training over the weekend, a bit of kayaking around Cove. Sonia, how, how are the arms today? Yeah, arms are not too bad. Yeah, it, it's one of those things, you know, whenever I'm in Cove, I look out at the water and you, you think, oh, I'd love to go out there. And recently, my cousin, Kean Sheely, has brought himself two kayaks for himself and his wife, Lorraine. And um, I was dying to get out and I've just never been here on a nice day. Hmm. And yesterday the sun was shining. So first thing in the morning, I sent him a message and asked if he was thinking about going in the kayaks in the afternoon. So we headed out after lunch and it was beautiful and uh, we were very lucky because the water was so still you know when you're I, I was in a kayak that I had not been in previously where you have to you kind of seal yourself into it so if you tip over you have to you have to, you get... have to pull this thing mm. and release yourself and um, I had never been in one of these before and I think if you were going for a a fairly big kayak and that now you'd have to go and get yourself a course uh, which he has done himself when he first got the kayak and so he was giving me the express lesson in in what to do and it was it was very hard work to seal yourself into the kayak but once in it was great you felt nice and cozy and warm and uh yeah determined not to tip over <laughs> so the, <laughs> yeah. I'd the say once you come out then all that coziness <laughs> is all over oh 100% yeah now when we got back Kean, he told me he was planning a swim and I kind of thought, oh, maybe I might go for a swim. And the place was jointed. Like, <laughs> you wouldn't believe how many people were down because in Cove, generally people swim when the tide is high. And we were out at this nice strand called Coskinny where the triathletes tend to meet up and then you have the year-round swimmers as well. And um, so normally I would go for a swim with a wetsuit on, but it's such a hassle to put the wetsuit on and off that... If you're only going in for a short swim, you know, you just go for it. Yeah. So it probably took me as long to get into the water as I was in there. <laughs> Stand, standing there, you know, counting one, two, three, about 10 times before, before I finally <laughs> allowed myself to get under the water and go. And it was cold. Yeah. <laughs> like and would you was, suffer now with that? Would you suffer with getting warm afterwards? Oh, yeah. I was freezing all day. Like all afternoon, <laughs> I was so cold. I went back to my up to my parents' house and I, I had a flask of tea with me but it wasn't much use in the flask because you can't feel the heat of it so I just went up there so I could pour the tea into a cup and then put my hands around the cup to warm my fingers up because my fingers go so cold that I can't feel anything so I can hardly do anything with them <laughs> until they're warmed back up again and it, it took quite a while to do that. <laughs> I mean, some would say not worth it. <laughs> That's certainly the uh, the way I was feeling after the basketball. It was wonderful to be out there and I, like I kind of had all the thoughts going through my head in the same way as I'm sure you did while kayaking that like, oh, this is what I need, a break from moving my legs in a straight line over and over again. There is something very therapeutic just about getting exercise that isn't the exercise that you've been doing so consistently. 
I was lepping around the place. I was grabbing rebounds and putting back up shots that I I didn't think I had me. Mikey was there as my personal photographer on the sideline. He kept giving me reassuring, saying reassuring words, which, you know, with kids where they're they're trying to reassure you, but they're actually giving you really blunt truths that are reminding you of <laughs> you're, you're really still crap at this. Uh, he was like, Daddy, you've only you've only missed four shots. I'd only taken five uh, at this point. But uh, I just recognised how much lateral movement there was. First of all, how much arm movement there is, obviously. But there's so much lateral movement in uh, basketball as a cross training thing. It never gets listed, I notice, in all of these Runner's World articles or blogs. Kayaking does get mentioned. Swimming always gets mentioned. But I just thought it was interesting that basketball and soccer doesn't get a shout. Is that because, Sonia, that when you're so used to going unilaterally that when you switch over to something that's so vigorous and sprint based and multilateral that there is a risk, is there? Is there is that why it, it doesn't tend to crop up over and over again? Um, yeah, I think maybe because it's a bit technical and there's a few skills required. So not everybody can just pick up a basketball and, you know, jump into a game mm. and feel pretty, feel pretty good about it. Mm. Whereas we can all do these individual activities. And I suppose a lot of the time, too, when people are doing cross training, it's because they can't run. So if you can't run, then you can't do a team sport either. But, but team sports, basketball, soccer, I suppose any Gaelic games, um, they would all be co- considered really good sports for kids to be involved with when they're young. Uh, rather than to be very specific about running from a young age, but to include team sports and, and sports that where you do move side to side. And it helps to develop a better athlete than to be you know, purely running from a very young age where you are only running in that straight line. Yeah, it's really interesting because uh, this week, Mikey, of course, was approached by the school to uh, join the school cross country team, having clocked some great times in his daily miles. And uh, he, uh, he he turned down the opportunity. I thought that that was kind of heartbreaking. And so did the teachers that he loves sports, loves running around the place, but still not that interested in running laps of fields and doing stuff. We're trying to explain to him that it was that actually the crack that I've established anyway in athletics and running is the team element and that it isn't just going to be him out there by himself. Are you wasting your time trying to convince a child in that situation and they kind of have to just come to it themselves? My attitude was give it a go, go to one session, see if you like it. Is that the way to go? Yeah, so were they going to have some training beforehand mm. and mm. then, oh yeah, we'll definitely go to one session. And I mean, it would probably be like going to, like if he was picked for the basketball team, would he, would you think he'd go flying? Definitely. Yeah, <laughs> headlong. <laughs> but is, do they have a basketball team? Or no, not? no, unfortunately not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe, yeah, I suppose you kind of say, well, the running, it's, I suppose it is a team sport cross country. You know, when you talk about athletics, that is the one piece of athletics that is team sport for distance runners. And uh, it is good fun and it's great to actually, I suppose, score for your team. And, you know, when it's getting like hard work out there and you're feeling like quitting and throwing in the towel, you realize that, you know, there's a few other people relying on relying you. On you yeah. So so you just have to finish. And, you know, by finishing, you get a point of some kind um, that, that helps the team or by, you know, being ahead of one of the others. But, you know, I mean, I suppose if, when, ch- when it comes to children, if they don't want to do something, then, you know, we all say, well, we'll encourage them <laughs> to do all the things that they'd like to do and support them. But if they don't want to do something, then it it, it changes from encouragement then to pushing, doesn't it? <laughs> when mm. you tell them <laughs> to do something. So you probably have to be a little bit patient. Yeah, and, goodness. Um, yeah. You don't want to be one of those parents, do you? You just don't want to be one of those parents. But before we leave this, I need to say that we were down, when we were down at the basketball, I very much keep stum and try and sit back and let his his basketball training take place. But like parents standing on the sideline saying, dribble, dribble, pass, run, cut. And like, I mean, Sonia, these are some of these kids are teeny weeny. Like, I'm like, I'm not sure they even understand the term dribble. 
<laughs> other than the salivary meaning of that, <laughs> they're they're like screaming, shouting at these kids, but like it isn't even a game yet. It's <laughs> like, what is going on here? I just I think that that is probably my ambition at this point is just not to turn in to one of those parents. When I saw Constance Klosterhafen or Coco, as we've been calling her, as she likes to be called, Killing it over the weekend, beating the German record over the 2000 metres by three seconds on Friday night with a time of five minutes, 34.53. I actually did think because she looks so young. I was like, did she like she have her parents there? Was this a big family night for her? I mean, it seemed like such a wonderful <laughs> way to end the season and a kind of a homecoming in Germany for her. Yeah, she did. She had her parents and her her two brothers were along as well. So, yeah, it was like a big deal for her. Like we were in a very small town in the south west of Germany. Like it was far from anywhere in Germany. The closest airport was actually in another country in Luxembourg. No way. And, but, there's, but there's not too many choice of flights out of Luxembourg. <laughs> not at the moment anyway. I think someone I did meet an Irish girl there and she told me they do at times fly to uh, to Dublin but I, I think maybe not at the moment or not on the weekends anyway so yes her family was there and you know it, it reminded me of you know it was like a, a small version of the Cork City Sports where you have a, a local sports meeting but it's all built around the the local heroes and you know it was set up by the club of another German athlete um, Giza Kraus who is a steeplechaser so there was two big events. Um, she was doing a 2,000 metre steeplechase and then Coco was doing 2,000 metres flat. And the energy in the stadium was fantastic. It was really, really great. All the clapping and cheering. And, you know, but it was all supportive for, you know, the, the local heroes. And uh, and they had some African drums going in the stands as well, which really added yeah. to the atmosphere because they actually had a couple of 10,000 metre races going on. And, you know, they were decent races, but they wouldn't have been high quality. So it was probably a bit like watching the cricket for most people because there was a lot of people in there who were getting lapped and uh, taking a fair bit of time to get around. But it just was all part of, you know, this whole enjoyment of running. And it was very inclusive to have so many people able to come along, you know, alongside the best runners in the world, to have the best local runners to come and have their chance to run 25 laps of the track. So this uh, uh, event that she sets her record in 2000 metres was kind of the climax of the evening, was it? It was actually this, there was there was a couple of races after. She was one race and then um, Giza was the next race. But yeah, it was in the middle of the programme. So, but nobody left straight away afterwards. You know, they all stay around because there's always going to be some people they're interested in to watch to keep the I suppose people when they get to go to a track meeting now or to an event they're just so happy to be there to be able to go out to be in the stands and being a part of a sporting event that you know people are going to watch anything mm. um, so <laughs> they're watching all levels of people and most people in there are connected to somebody who's running um, so it, it was great a great evening and um, really good fun it was um, very warm in the afternoon as the sun was going down and then you know, then it got pretty cold in the stadium towards the end, as it does, I suppose, when you start to feel it turning to autumn. But, but tell and me this, Sonia, because you obviously at that uh, city sports meet that you talk about, like set a world record in the past. What You know what it's like to be Coco in this situation. Did she head out there thinking, I'm going to put on a show? Did you discuss this at all? Or was it even in her head to try and set this record? Oh no, she had to set the record. Like, there, was, there was no choice there. <laughs> there was uh, that was like the um, you know that was the only it was only going to be successful if she broke that record. Really, um, it was a very it was a very achievable record, and um, you know in I suppose in another time she would have had her eyes maybe on the world record, which was pre, uh, and which is now which now is a little bit beyond reach, and she'd probably be more aiming for the European record hmm. of. 525 which which is mine you see so that was the attraction of the 2000 meters <laughs> and um but we knew that you know 530 was probably the realistic target and it was a perfect evening um but you know typically at this time of the year 
the fields are fairly decimated. It's quite hard to get athletes to continue to run at a high level. And um, so we had one girl pacemaking for just over 800 metres. She got to 900 metres, I think. And there was hope that another girl may have come and paced for a bit longer. She pulled out at the last minute sick. So, you know, these are things that happen at the end of the season when athletes are, you know, they're just getting worn out and uh, craving for a break and a holiday. Mm. Um, so I think, yeah, it was it was perfect, you know, to end with the win and then also to set the record. That's what you want to do at the end of the season, really, is to end on a positive. And, um, you know, because at that point of year, you're already thinking about what you can do next year to, to be better and to change things. And like I used to think like this all the time, you before you'd have your last race, you'd always be already looking ahead to next year and areas where you thought you could improve and do things a bit differently while you still had a couple of races to get through that you just couldn't wait to get them over with so that you could have your rest and then you know, then start back training again for, for 2022. I mean, I just find it so fascinating. And I obviously <laughs> talk about this for the entire episode, because it, it, when it, we put this together and we thought we'll do a prep episode, largely because of Kevin Devine's email, which we referenced last week, where Kevin Devine's trying his first road race. He's given it a go and he's starting to get anxious around the bits and pieces that go into the logistics of what am I, how am I going to do this? What can I prep for the day itself? You're kind of saying here that actually the prep kind of begins way, way back, certainly for elite athletes, even the year before when you're finishing off your 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 final race of the season. Where should we start then with preparation for people who are looking at attempting their first event and we let's take it from the Kevin Devine perspective because you've sent me a bunch of really incredible notes here on the logistics. Is there a guiding principle in terms of somebody who's listening to this now going, right, I have my race booked in, but I am prone to get anxious around the uncontrollables on the day. Do you have uh, do you have kind of a, a guiding principle for this kind of preparation? Uh, well, well, the main thing is to you know prepare as much as you can and just to kind of I suppose you preempt anything that might throw you off a little bit so that you're you're ready for anything and you know the the best way to do that is to work out a bit of a, a timeline for the day um, mm. or even from the day before that works back from the race time and how like what time you're going to get up in the morning, uh, what time you're going to leave home, mm. uh, what, what time you're going to have your last meal, um, and, you know, what time you want to be, you know, in the vicinity of the race. Because um, you may not know, if you're going somewhere that you're not familiar with, you might not know where you could park, or, you know, oftentimes, depending on the size of the race, what you know about a place could be all different because the roads might be closed and then all of a sudden you can't go and park where you think you can park. So you've got to kind of look ahead and try and work out all these things so that there's nothing that's going to throw you because they're the little things that make you nervous and jittery and <laughs> anxious, I suppose, okay. as, you, as you get to the start line. So uh, I'm looking at the notes here and obviously these will be included in the Patreon illustrated notes that our members get for free every single week. I'm going to include literally Sonia's handwritten notes here. If that isn't value for money, I don't know what is. Patreon.com forward slash Irishman Abroad. But uh, there's so many things here. There's so many things in the list that I actually thought, wouldn't it be good advice for people to essentially have kind of uh, not a butler, not a concierge, but certainly a partner with you who's willing to help you with the the, the kind of A, B's and C's of this. Is that something that you would have had or was it just always on you? Well, you know, I mean, that's the ideal situation is that you have somebody with you you know, somebody who might even drive you. So you just have to sit there. <laughs> or you might link up with a training partner or a friend and share the drive down there and, 
that can also, you know, relieve a lot of the tension and anxiety because, you know, you can talk about normal stuff on the way down and be relaxed and everything. Mm. And then you can, you know, if there's an issue along the way, you know, whether there's traffic or diversions or you're looking for somewhere to park, you can actually discuss it. And so you kind of break it down differently when you talk about it than when it's all going around in your head and you're getting stressed about it. Mm. So that's definitely a good idea. But to have somebody like your your partner or a friend or a family member to come with you and to, you know, even the thing of, you know, where do you put your car keys when you yeah. go on the race? Like nobody wants to carry their car keys around with them in a race or your phone. Like you don't want your phone, do you? So you definitely want to have that securely locked away. Yeah, I mean, even convincing your partner to do this is going to be tough. So I I think my advice would be to bribe them or uh, get them some form of clothing specifically designed for the event, maybe a coach's jacket of some sort that they can feel <laughs> official <laughs> with their name on the back. Now, that's just my idea. And I am being silly, but I do think that that role of that person would be so important based on everything that you've written down here in terms of the amount of stuff that needs to be ticked off, that they need to be made feel special if you are going to bring someone on board like that. The next thing I want to say, Sonia, is that looking at the notes, it seems quite obvious that one guiding principle would have to be new is the enemy. Don't try new things <laughs> with a race the next day. Is that correct? Yes, you. I mean, you need to look back at, you know, some of your best training sessions or best runs where you felt fantastic and think about, you know, what did you eat the night before that? Or did you sleep a lot or not? Um, and you just try and find the thing that makes you feel the best for running. And then you try and replicate that. And the longer you're running for, and particularly people who are training for marathons, they'll know all about this, that you practice this over and over again. And you have like a, a race day, prep day or a practice day mm. where you, you work out, okay, the time that you're going to run might be your long run on Sunday. It might be just set that at the same time as the race and then work backwards from that and what you're going to eat the day before, what you're going to have for breakfast. Um, it can be a bit tricky if some of these longer races, the, the start time is in early in the morning. So all of a sudden you might have to be getting up a few hours earlier than you normally do yeah. but you know when you're getting ready for a race you can just do this it's a it's just something that you, you don't have to practice getting up too early because you're just getting yourself tired doing that so you you just know you'll be able to do it on the day of the race because there's all this adrenaline and the buzz going around that most of the time you just wake up without even an alarm set and then you just get yourself up so that you can eat with enough time to spare that you're not going to be going to the start thinking you're a bit full or you've eaten too close to the race. So would you say like a, like a like you would do the mocks for the leaving search? You, are you saying that you do a kind of a mock day nearly where you practice what it is and how you're going to fuel yourself and prep your head? Is that essentially what you're suggesting? Well, exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's and it's, it's highly recommended for anyone doing a marathon or even a half marathon. You know, that's when it's going to affect you the most because you're out there for longer. So when you get to the end of one of those races, you can actually feel pretty sick at the end because you're just so depleted and empty that you don't even feel like eating again. So you want to make sure that you've got, you know, as much, I suppose, fuel that's going to help you as possible, whether that's drinks or, you know, real food beforehand um, that's easily digestible. And you've, you've worked that out, that what agrees with you and, and allows you to get out there and to, to run the best that you can on the day. I don't think it made it into last week's episode, but I had a conversation with Brezzy about that ultramarathon where he, he did a gig afterwards. And uh, like he said, like you said, he tried to eat and it just felt like the worst thing imaginable, putting food into himself after those kind of miles. But while on stage, there was some song where everybody was suggested that everybody sit down. And he said, if I sit down, I won't be able to stand up again he'd be helped up James Brown style off the floor because his legs were literally useless to him I think that uh, in that situation there is a temptation there just as there was for Brezzy to go and then I'll do the big thing 
afterwards, that there's obviously going to be a compulsion to go and will mark this momentous day with a big celebration of some sort. Would you be advising the newbie runner like myself, who's maybe built the whole year around this, to really watch what it is that you're going to do next? Because there's every chance that the recovery is going to need to start right away and that a celebration should probably be timed for a couple of days later, maybe. Um, no, I'd, I'd get it out of the system early. <laughs> get the pints in. Straight, <laughs> yeah. straight out. <laughs> like sometimes they're having pints on the finish line. You know, but, <laughs> okay. I, I wouldn't go that far now, but um, <laughs> it depends on the, I suppose, the circumstances and who, who you're with and who you're around. And a lot of these, you know, after race celebrations or just relaxation, just going out and having a good time. They kind if they I think if they happen organically without too much planning, then they're always the best. Mm. And then you you often find you try and replicate something that was really good last year. So we'll do that again next year. And it's never the same because it just happened kind of instinctively before. Whereas now you're expecting it to be great. <laughs> and it probably wasn't that great the year before either. It was yeah, just it was something you'd never done before. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I think, you know, if the situation allows for, you know, you can stay over the night after the race, uh, wherever you are, and relax and have a good time, then of course, you know, do that. And, you know, because we're not all training for the Olympics and the World Championships, you know, we can do this. We can, there's plenty of days in the year where you can relax, enjoy yourself, and, you know, then come back to being, you know, regimented and routine again mm. uh, when you build up to the next event. Um, I remember Kieran Donaghy in discussion. He was actually on our, our basketball show talking about bringing basketball training to the GAA, uh, which is now kind of understood thing. Jason Sherlock at Dublin has brought in a bunch of stuff. You know, you can actually see an awful lot of crossover at the moment in the way the game is played for good and for bad. But he, he talked about training for situations and saying to coaches in Kerry, why don't we put three minutes on the clock and say the score is tied and let us play that out? It is extremely hard to do that with running, especially for these big events, because as you write down here in the notes, use the excitement and adrenaline to boost your performance. You kind of can't prep for that because that excitement and adrenaline simply can't be recreated other than in the race setting, can it not? Yeah, I mean, that just comes with the event. And and it depends on the event you go to. Like some of them will be all ramped up and they'll have loud music and, you know, the, there's just constant talk over the speakers and there's lots of people all around the place. And, you know, I think when you have all that, then it's such so far removed from you know, going out there and running by yourself on a track and there's nobody else there, that all of a sudden you kind of realize why you do all this stuff and, mm. you know, how different it is when you go along to an event. And, you know, I'm sure a lot of people have missed that recently. I mean, some people might enjoy it. They might have missed it, but they might be quite happy missing it and yeah. just getting out there and enjoying their running. So I'm sure there's people out there who, took part in events and somehow have got through the past two years or so and you know they've enjoyed their running and they've maybe enjoyed it on a different level and they don't need events but then there are other people who really do need events and they like to have you know the motivation and the energy and something to look forward to mm. and I think that's how I would often feel like even you know at the end of the season on the weekend it's like everywhere I traveled to or went to, it was new and exciting. And even though I wasn't racing, it was always kind of fun to explore a new place and to see, oh, what can I do here? Where can I run? Or do I need to get a bike and go and explore and, you know, adventure around a bit? And I, I think, you know, you, as you get older, I suppose, and you come back to these events from the other side, you appreciate so much more like the extra bits that you can get from travel and to going to an event is that there's all these extra hours that you could sit in your room and read a book or 
you know, do nothing. Or you can get out there and explore and create memories for yourself. Mm. And I think I've had that a lot this year. So, you know, when I came back to Cove on Saturday, after about 10 hours of traveling, I had to get up so early in the morning and then Cork Airport is closed. So you now have to fly into Dublin or Shannon and then trek down. So I was, uh, luckily enough, I had uh, Joe, my good friend Joe Maroney from Curie's in Cork, and he came and picked me up and gave me the loan of the car. So, you know, that is such, yeah, it, it just is so, so nice, you know, to have t- someone there waiting for you uh, when you arrive at the airport. And then you get in your front door and you close the door and it's like, okay, what do I do now? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're, you're so looking forward to get back. And then it kind of all hits you that, you know, right. I don't, I just don't have the energy to do anything right now. <laughs> I've got to, I've just got to take a bit of time out and relax here before we reset and restart again. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that this is, you've hit on something here that I'm living through myself. I mentioned it to it before we hit record and it is something that all the listeners will have to take into account in that where, as we see Ireland open up, the UK obviously opening up and wherever you are in the world, there's no doubt that there's going to be a change in what you can and cannot do, which will result in more travel. And I certainly have felt that this is a type of fitness that has long gone <laughs> from my system. Now, I used to cover insane miles and would drive from one end of the country to the other without even thinking of it. I think the the worst I ever did was a gig in Darlington that I drove to that night and drove back, which is past Newcastle. So all the way from London to Newcastle in a rickety car that I was in at the time for 40 minutes on stage and then back again. And, you know, you are there is to an extent what you're feeling there, Sonia, is a bit of jet lag without, you know, needing to go transatlantic. I do think there's a certain amount of self-kindness that's needed that way in the coming weeks. And I'm just saying that from a personal perspective that everyone listening to this needs to take a little bit of a pull. I don't know if you get this sense at all, Sonia, but there's a rush to this bottleneck of freedom that's in front of us that is probably going to result in people feeling what you felt when you got to Cove which is the breath out and suddenly your legs go wobbly. You go, okay, I wasn't used to doing that much stuff. And now I I need to breathe and rest a little bit. Do you struggle with that yourself? And is that something that you would agree with me on, that people are going to need a bit more kindness to themselves in these coming weeks? Yeah, well, I think we kind of live in a world where you're nearly expected to be doing something every day. And, you know, when you meet people, they say, well, what, what did you do today or what, mm-hmm. what are your plans for today? And you might think, I might just sit and read my book. <laughs> Does that <laughs> make me a failure? They'd be, yeah. They'd be looking at you like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, you have, ta- you, you have time to sit and read your book. <laughs> and now I can't, say, I can't say that I have done that recently because I haven't. And, um, and sometimes it's a problem when you can't sit down and read a book because, it means that you're just distracted and you've got too much stuff going on in your head that you're not kind of um, relaxed enough to, to allow yourself to escape and to get away from, you know, all the different things that are pulling on you or demands that you feel like you need to answer to. So I suppose it is good for people to take a bit of time out. And yeah, I mean, a lot of people will be going from quiet time in their lives to now there's a lot of stuff going on and they need to be involved in so much stuff. And mm. to, and probably because they will feel like, yeah, but we didn't have this, you know, the past 18 months or so. So now that it's here, we have to, mm. we have to be a part of it because what if it gets taken away from us again? Yeah. And I think that's probably a big thing with people is that, you know, if, when you have so much that what if it gets taken away again and we end up back and you know, I didn't make use of it when nothing. I had it. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, even yesterday afternoon when I was down in Coskinny doing a bit of kayaking with Kian and we came back and went for the swim and just to see so many people down there, you, you did feel like it was a sunny day and it's September and people are thinking, and I thought exactly the same thing is um, how many more days like this are we going to get where you can actually, you know, go down and get into the water and, I suppose, make use of the 
environment that we have around us and you know the accessibility to get down there and have fun in the water because you know in a month's time we definitely won't be doing that yeah absolutely well we've got a we've got to use it while we have it but i i do i do feel this this sense of uh, urgency among all the people i work with and you know who knows i actually don't know what's around the corner and i think that that's driving it too that there's a bit of the unknown and i'm seeing that with a kind of wildness in the crowds as well that the crowds that are coming to shows are just so amped up for the idea of a night out that it's 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 nearly bewildering i need to reference one point in the notes and as i said these will all appear in the patreon illustrated notes and i just not thought it was uh, worth mentioning because along along with all of these fantastic tips that are here logistically you've even mentioned your warm-up and the warm-up that's wisest to do prior to uh, a race whether you're a new person or somebody who's a really well-established club athlete you say a few fast strides as essential prior to the race now, you've explained why you think these are essential, but maybe it's better if we hear from you directly why you really want to get in some fast strides before getting on the line. Well, it's uh, it's a bit like doing the fast strides before you um, before you do a training session. So, you know, when you say fast, it's it's relatively fast, like you're not out there sprinting as hard as you can, but you're going 80 to 90 percent, which is, you know, compared to the distance of the race you're going to run is probably pretty quick. So when you do that, it just kind of wakes up the the different kind of energy system in your body that it you get that fast feeling. And then when you're called into line and the gun goes off, it actually doesn't feel that fast at all because nobody's running as fast as you just ran for mm. a few hundred meter strides. You know, and, and you see a lot of people doing this and, you know, people might feel a little bit self-conscious doing stuff like that in front of everybody and they're looking at you and thinking, oh, would you look at your man? <laughs> What's he doing? <laughs> He's saying bolt, saying over, bolt here. over here. bolt over here. It's true, though. It, like, there is that consciousness of, do they, will I be judged for doing this? But it makes complete sense that if you've done a few of these, the second that gun goes, there won't be that fright to your system. It'll actually feel a bit more relaxing. Yeah. And the other thing, when you do a few of those, you'll actually come back and you'll find that most people, you'll have to adjust your shoelaces because normally when you tie your shoelaces, you just tie them. And then, especially if you change your shoes, you know, after the warm up jog, if you're, you know, one of these people who like to change into some fast shoes, it's good to get a feel if you've tied them properly or not. And you just do a few fast strides and you'll definitely tweak them a little bit and um i know i i'm always doing that i don't know if that's a nervous thing or what but i'd say i never am happy with the first tie of the shoes i always go back and redo them a few times before before actually setting off in an event well um the shoes issue and the shoes episode that we've talked about doing for some time now is on the way and I had a bit of a breakthrough on it, thanks to the good people at profeet.co.uk. Check out this website. These people are based in Fulham here in London. I got in touch with them to talk to them about, you know, our show and what we do here. And the services they offer are really something. They offer this 3D motion lab for runners. Uh, It's kind of high tech 3D running analysis Uh, which allows them to precisely analyze and optimize your running technique and gait, footwear, insoles, all designed specifically for you. Well, they've invited myself and Sonia to come in and avail of this service. They're going to look at our running economy, our joint loading, our stride rating, our gait cycle, It's all going to be there in their motion analysis. We'll get 3D results and assessment side by side. So this, Sonia, could be the most informative episode we've ever produced and also the funniest when we compare your motion to mine side by side. And what might be interesting is just how 
you know, these tiny little changes could result in big things for both of us. I'm certainly excited about it. When I presented it to you, were you like, oh, I've seen all this before? Or are you are you as excited <laughs> as me as getting this done? Um, yeah, no, I like stuff like this, especially because I, I suppose I do have issues with my feet all the time. I've worn orthotics for such a long time. And so I'm always looking for comfortable shoes, comfortable insoles to wear just walking around you know I kind of have a fair I suppose grasp of what I have for running um, but my orthotics that I have in my shoes at the moment they're very old mm. and when I wear them in those invincibles oh my god they squeak like mad they just do <laughs> I your can head testify in. <laughs> to this they, they really squeak they squeak like a Sesame Street character or a, a dog's chewy toy <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't know if I want to buy those Invincibles if they squeak like that. But it's the actually the orthotics doing the squeaking. So do you have orthotics in as well then? No, my 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 Invincibles, I can't tell you. We've talked about these a couple of times on the show. These Nike Invincibles that Sonia recommended. I love them so much that I'm even considering getting a second pair, which I realise now might be dumb because I've gone down so many rabbit holes in the last couple of weeks of this shoe rotation that you need three types of shoes in your rotation and that it would be stupid of me to go and buy another pair of Invincibles when in fact what I need is a fast shoe for my fast sessions because they're much more of a slow shoe for the the slower sessions. Would you go along with that? Uh, Well, I think I... If before you buy a second pair, I'd wait until after we go and have this foot analysis. Yeah. And then they might have a bit of enlightening news for you as well with mm. regard to shoes that may be useful. And, you know, they might say, oh, yeah, go out there and, you know, load up on the Invincibles. <laughs> They're the best shoe for you. Mm. Or they might say, maybe try something else. And, yeah. and then the other thing is, yeah, you probably it'd be, it'd be a bit of fun to have some fast shoes in your closet for the fast days. And, and in saying that, I think we need to we need to line you up with a park run one day. I was thinking an event, but now I think, you know, the park runs are starting up in England everywhere in, or in the UK. There's, there's some in Ireland. And um, I reckon we should need to get you down to one. Well, three separate listeners have got in touch to say that this is what I need to do. But the problem now is that the uh, park run in St. Albans is on at the exact same time as now my, my basketball game. <laughs> so oh, I no. may need to alternate <laughs> between the two. Uh, but that does bring us back to this question of cross-training. Uh, now, maybe you could just confirm for me that, like, do we need to write in cross-training? Because when you send me my breakdown for the week, there's always a couple of days in there where you have written down cycle or walk or a little bit of gym work, uh, which is, you know, loose enough. And I, I, I get that that's the way to to write these things out. But do we need to actually start to think now that I'm a year in as to, well, what cross-training are you doing? How much is it helping you? And maybe explore it a bit further. Yeah, we we can do that. I mean, I, I think, you know, when you loosely throw stuff in like that, it kind of gives you a way to find, you know, an activity for the day that you feel then the next day you when you go for a run, you actually feel better because you've had a, a day off any weight load exercise or weight bearing exercise so you're you're taking off you know all the pressure that your body goes through when you're running and you're up up on the bike and spinning around and you know you're getting a bit of fresh air you're breathing a bit Mm. and then it just depends like the level of cross training depends on what you're training for you know if you're training just to maintain fitness then you can just decide to go for a bike ride just because you want to go somewhere and see can I go and check this place out on my bike? It's a destination mm. bike ride. Like I did this myself in Berlin last week. I was looking for somewhere to go and I decided I was going to go to, um, I got a loan of a bike from a hotel, which is always great if you can do that. And um, I rode the bike just to get a coffee. <laughs> oh yeah, I think I saw this post. You know, I was like this, have you, like, I thought you had heard about this coffee and that you'd gone 
on on the uh, on the strength of a recommendation of this coffee place. But you had picked out a spot. Is that right? Yeah, this is purely, you know, Google Maps or Google search. And, you know, nar- you find about five places and you narrow it down and work out which one looks easiest to get to by bike and just go and do that. And so I tend to do that type of stuff. So you're looking for a park to run or you're looking for a coffee shop or, you know, a nice supermarket maybe. Mm. <laughs> There's always some yeah. kind of goal at the end of these cross-training activities. But then the other side of cross-training is, you know, if you can't run, if you're injured, then the cross-training becomes a bit more specific and a bit more intense and there's a bit more purpose to it. Mm. And so if you're just including it generally in your week, then at least you know what it feels like. So that then when you have to go and do it for more purposeful, intense levels, then you're more prepared for it. And you're able to get on the bike and know where you can go to do some hills or some faster stretches and things like that. But at the moment, I'd say, you know, cross training for you is just to maintain that level of fitness that you can't run that much. So you just have to put in the time with other activities. Mm. Well, uh, I definitely know where uh, my destination is going to be. But I do want to say that last week was the first week that I incorporated the strength training that I've reluctantly been headed towards uh, simply finding the right video on YouTube from a trusted channel with some runners 20 minute strength session. Really, I, I was blown away straight away, Sonia, that, you know, these lunges, uh, lunge jumps and balancing and hopping uh, exercises. I actually just was blown away by how much I felt them. I, I just thought there was so little it felt like this won't have an impact. And you had always said to me and Trevor had always said little and often and you will see the result. But just incorporating that one or two sessions of that, I can start to see that that's that's going to help. In terms of the destination, I posted it on Strava. Toast Delicious <laughs> is the, uh, the makers of the greatest toasted cheese sandwich that I've ever tasted in my life. It's in my labouring town of Harpenden. And as you said it, I thought, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to cycle and get this toasted cheese sandwich and come back. It's it's not a bad one, not a bad idea. Maybe if you, our listeners, want to give us your destinations of things, we can kind of accumulate great little targets for your cross training. If you want to cycle to a spot specifically, maybe the, uh, what is it? The, there's a place out there past uh, Linan in Galway, which is a similar kind of food truck uh, that does these kind of exquisite sandwiches. So maybe pop those into us, irishmanabroadpodcast at gmail.com. If you know of particular spots that people should cycle to that are worth the cycle uh, for your cross training day, we'd love to hear them. Irishmanabroadpodcast at gmail.com or direct message myself and Sonia on Patreon. Uh, obviously, we had the 5k for. Uh, Ireland funds over the weekend. Did you just incorporate this within your bigger run, Sonia? Is that the way you did it? Um, I did. I actually had to borrow a run from during the week. <laughs> so sometimes, you know, when you're a bit overwhelmed with everything, you and even if you turn up at a race or an event and you feel like, oh, how am I going to get through this? You have to borrow it in your head, you know, to get through it. Yeah. But I was physically borrowing a run and I think I will count my... My 5K on the track a couple of weeks ago. A couple of weeks the, ago, oh my God. In the um, outskirts. <laughs> a week ago, one week yeah. ago. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> exactly one week ago, but it was exactly 5K, so that's why I'm going to count it. Very good. Um, well, on, a, on a nice track. <laughs> yeah, I want to give a very big shout out, though, to Alan Connor in Calgary in Canada, who ran, I think it's his first marathon, Calgary Marathon. 42.5 kilometers at a pace of 516 uh, is what he was doing each kilometer. And so it was like a ridiculous time, three hours, 44. I think it might be worth, Sonia, p- pulling some of these performances because we've got some serious heads now in this Strava running club. I was examining some of the mileage that some of them are putting in. 
I need to start giving some more shout outs to the people that are really killing it in there. Uh, so if you do get your name shouted out, if you have done something epic on your uh, runs this week, I'll take a screen grab of it and you will win yourself an Irishman Abroad uh, pin. Uh, we also have news on the Irishman Running Abroad gear coming soon. But I want to say a big thanks uh, to Brian Connolly for his work on the sound this week, for John Marr for his extra research, Tina and Mikey for making it all possible. And of course, to the legend, Sonia O'Sullivan. Thanks, Sonia, for today's episode. Always a pleasure. Can't wait to get this uh, analysis done on our gate. I think it's going to be, we're going to have to film this. I think we're going to have to shoot this, bring someone along to film this, to get, <laughs> give people the full 360 some, degree view of it. Some live footage, maybe. And, <laughs> and before we go there, I, I just want to wish all the best to one of our one of our big supporters, Trevor Cummins. Ah. Is, um, I had a I had an easy run with him this morning. He's on the countdown now and uh, taking on the Berlin Marathon next Sunday. And uh, he's hoping to run a PB. I've forgotten what his PB is, but I know it's it's a, it's 2.38 maybe. But he's hoping to get close to 2.30 and he's been training the house down. So we'd like to wish him all the best and then maybe we'll get him on for a chat next week to see how he goes that's a great idea Trevor best of luck to Trevor Cummins follow him on Strava as well Trevor Cummins is what he's under or train with Trevor on Instagram if you'd like to follow that journey the next weekend the Berlin Marathon for him I've just seen your run around photo with him uh, this morning Sonia so yeah best of luck Trev uh, if you'd like to get in touch with the show it's very easy Podcast at gmail.com we'd love to hear from you till next week Sonia take care of yourself Okay, take it easy and um, yeah, enjoy your running. I will. One of the keys to like maintaining your brain mass is pushing past that comfortable zone physically, you know, exercise wise. Imagine, you know, a world where everybody could go out the door and engage in the kind of exercise that's going to make them more relaxed, more healthy, burn off stress.